0: The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only.
1: Well, hello listeners in Listener Land. This is Arnold Stricker. Ellie Wharton is not on assignment and she's not in the studio, but she's busy doing some other things. This is In Tune, a 2-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community in the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and Justice. In studio today we have uh, several guests in our 11 to 11.30 hour. We have Tom Ridgely and Naima Randolph in studio today from Shakespeare Festival St. Louis. Welcome to In Tune. Thanks Arnold.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: We're also live on Facebook. Hello Facebook people. Mm-hmm. And it's great to have you guys here. And Tom, this is your third visit. You're you're like... Uh, wow. <laughs> We're getting to be good you're friends. You're an alumni here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. And you are the... Uh, executive producer of the Shakespeare Festival. You're going to be directing the Love's Labour's Lost, which is going to be happening uh, very shortly here in Forest Park at the festival. And Naima, you are actually going to be in that production, aren't you?
2: Yes, I play Moth.
1: You play mm-hmm. Moth. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> so t- uh, explain what Moth The the role of Moth is?
2: (laughs) Uh, Moth is the page boy to one of the characters, Don Adriano de Armado. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he is very playful and kind of a trickster, very sarcastic, but very witty and intelligent as well.
1: Okay. All right. (laughs) Probably the smartest character in the play. Would you agree?
2: I would definitely agree.
1: (laughs) 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 Absolutely. It's all written into the part like Mm -hmm. that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now... uh, tell us a little bit about this this performance that's coming up and what are the dates and Tom I wanted to ask you a little bit about directing that what's involved with that and I I wanted to talk to you about your role in preparing for that so we get it from a director's point of view we get it from a performer's point of view so tell us a little bit about this what is this play about this play is about
0: really at the end of the day how men and women treat each other it's it's one of shakespeare's early and one of his most romantic comedies But uh, he's looking at what happens when, you know, when when men sort of receive from the culture ideas about romance and intimacy that don't necessarily prepare them too well for what it's actually like to be in a relationship (laughs) with another human being. So four young ladies, the princess of France and her retinue arrive in Navarre on a serious diplomatic mission only to find out that the king and his fellows have refused to see women for three years so that they can study and improve themselves. Uh, needless to say, that doesn't really pan yeah, good out. Good luck with that. One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's got, uh, as I said, those four sets of lovers, and then probably Shakespeare's biggest pa- cast of comic characters, of which Moth is one. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a it's a very funny and very compassionate look at
1: at gender. Really. Now, how what does it take to prepare to be a director? Uh, not your preparation prior because I just wanted to read a little bit about your past. You co-founded Waterwell in New York. You were the artistic director there from 2002 to 2018. You're a Drama Desk nominated director. You've presented work at the Public Theater, the Old Globe, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, the Red Bull, Shakespeare Society, You've done some blueprint specials of some musicals. You did a version of Hamlet performed by a company of predominantly Middle Eastern and South Asian artists. Oversaw professional performing arts school in New York City for 200 public school students, which was free of charge, year-round, conservatory style. You have an a, a unbelievable background that you're bringing <laughs> to this directing of this performance, but when you start did you pick the, the play? I did, yeah,
0: in my role as executive producer, I'm also the one programming the season. So, so you're like, oh, no, what did I do? Now I'm,
2: yeah, right, what have
0: I gotten <laughs> myself into? Yeah. Well, I knew we wanted to do a comedy this year. We did Romeo and Juliet last year, which is obviously one of the great, sort of romantic tragedies that Shakespeare ever wrote. And I thought a nice romantic comedy would be a good way to follow that. And this play, Love's Labor's Lost, is the only play Shakespeare wrote that's actually set entirely within a park. So really? because the festival hadn't done it yet, I thought, well, this is the perfect thing to do right. in Forest Park. Right. And so we're drawing a lot on that for the inspiration of the play
1: and the design of the production. So how do you go about starting? How how far along uh, was the preparation when you made the decision? Like, you This isn't something you start like five or six months ahead of time. You're probably working a year, maybe 18 months in advance or something like that.
0: Yeah, this, we probably just, or I probably knew at least at the end of last summer that this is what we'd be doing. Um, and this happened to be a production I'd worked on before, so uh, there was that sort of already kind of behind me. Um, but I think that's around the cycle, and, and yeah, and it starts obviously with the text, so you... You go through and you start to decide, You know what are we going to cut, what are we going to keep, You know what's the story that we're going to try and tell. And then you bring those first key collaborators on board, which is typically the design scene, the scenic designer, costume designer, and together you
1: start to flesh out the world of the play. And then you start blocking things out uh, to see where people are standing or exiting and
0: giving yeah. some entrances
1: or things like that.
0: You, sometimes you'll do, a, you know, you'll work out some of the big moments ahead of time. So there are, there are big entrances and exits in the play, and so in talking with the designers, you, you, you decide when you're designing the set, you know, where's that person going to come from? What do you want that to feel like? And so those things you might know early on. But, you know, as, as, as Naima will find out later today, there's a lot, because we start staging her scenes, there's a lot that you figure out in the room with the actors. Okay. Um, because you want to see what they bring, you want to see how things feel in the space. Um, So, a lot of it you leave room to discover with the company.
1: Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you are not new to the Shakespeare Festival St. Louis, Uh, Mm a little bit of your background, but you're making your debut, Mm -hmm. but you were a member of the Shakespeare Squadron, Uh, or the the Shake Squad, (laughs) as it's called, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you were a camper and assistant teaching artist with the festival's camp. You were a graduate Mm -hmm. of Howard University with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts. And uh, the British American Drama Academy's Midsummer Oxford program. Yes. And you're a St. Louis and Lutheran North grad?
2: Yep, I am. I already
1: I gave where you went to high school, so I don't have to ask you the question. <laughs> so, how did you get interested in Shakespeare and performing in the theater?
2: Uh, so. I always liked uh, theater when I was younger, but, um, and I auditioned for a few parts when I was in school uh, growing up, but I never got in, never got any parts. And then one, uh, when I was in eighth grade, the festival, their touring program came to my school, and they kind of at the end plugged that, um, oh, we have a summer camp, and I remember my mom saying, this summer you have to do summer camp, you can't just be laying around the house. So I was like, okay, I've always wanted to do theater, so I'm gonna pick this. And um, it was one of the funnest summers of my life. It was three weeks, it was me and six other girls and we put up the Tempest and I was like, oh, I really like this. And so um, after that I continued to do the camp for about four more years till I was about 17 or 18. And uh, then I applied for a job as a counselor and I actually got to work on this play with a group of middle school students my first year as a teaching assistant at the camp. So I was, when I saw that this play was um, being put up this year, I was like, oh, okay, I know that one.
1: <laughs> Little did you realize. Little did I know. <laughs> so explain the camp process for maybe there's some some kids, although they should be in school right now, but maybe <laughs> their parents are listening right now really? or will catch us on SoundCloud or iTunes and say, well, that sounds something interesting for my child.
2: Yeah, so the camp is really great. It's three weeks um, and typically uh, the first session of camp in the early part of the summer uh, they split up the students so it's between ages like middle school age through high school and the middle school age students will do one play and the high school students will do another and they're condensed versions of Shakespeare so they're each about an hour long um, and so there's a casting process, you read through the play, you do analysis, you come up with a concept on your own um, and then one of the directors and the teaching assistants help direct the play and then they put it up at the very end. Uh, and it's, it's a ball, it's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> so is everybody like really into the Shakespeare English um, or do they kind of have to you know transition to that?
2: So it depends. We have, there's some students, for example, a lot of the Shakespeare Squadron students do the camps, or they're introduced to the festival through the camps. And so they be, may be really interested already in Shakespeare. But I know for myself, when I got to the camp, I was like, I don't know. I've seen. This I was yeah. like, <laughs> I, I've seen one Shakespeare play. I maybe had read Romeo and Juliet in school. So at first I was like, I was a little intimidated. But once I got into it, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, it's not as. Hard as I thought it was gonna be it's once you start to really understand the language it's like oh this guy is actually pretty straightforward to some degree like in terms of characters and what they want and that sort of thing so yeah <laughs> very
1: interesting so I will ask you this question do you have a a favorite Shakespeare play play or <laughs> prose or sonnet or something like that
2: um I think the most fun I ever had doing Shakespeare at the camp, we did Henry IV Part 1, and it was so much fun, (laughs) it was a whole bunch of like 16 year olds being very goofy, and uh, it was a really interesting play because it was a history play, and uh, I think I was so used to the idea of tragedy and comedy, and I always really loved history, and it was a very different style of play than what I was used to. Um, another really fun play I did while I was at Lutheran North. I was in Midsummer, and that play is incredible for young students because it's a play that even you know a production put up by a group of middle school students in the middle of the Midwest can be just as funny as a production that's put up at like the RSC or the Public or something like that. It's a really accessible play, and we did it in high school, and it was hilarious and. One of the funniest moments of my life happened randomly <laughs> in the middle of that play. Well,
1: and, when, and it was what? i going to put you on the spot. Gonna... Uh,
2: put me on the spot. Um, so, in that play, there's a play within a play, and it's intentionally, there's a similar moment in Love's Labors yeah. where there's a pageant almost. And in Midsummer, there's a scene where this group of you know, clown-like characters put on this play and it's going horribly wrong (laughs) in every way and it's um, almost like Romeo and Juliet almost and this young man um, he was playing like the Juliet character intentionally very badly and he had this horrible wig on and these two balloons like in his chest and he had this horrible skirt and he was supposed to... um, the character is like a Juliet character so she kills herself in the play but of course it's supposed to go wrong and the joke was supposed to be that he was gonna stab his chest and the balloons and his chest were going to pop uh, <laughs> but it didn't happen uh, and but the boy was so determined to make the gag happen that he continued to, like, <laughs>
1: continue to stab himself <laughs> <laughs> oh my
2: until he got so frustrated <laughs> and his wig had already fallen off and he like ripped the balloon out of his chest and he starts like wrestling with this balloon and we're all on stage just dying and the people in the audience are dying and eventually this character who plays a lion come, he came out on stage just frustrated he had a pair of scissors and he just popped the balloon and oh. walked off <laughs> And we were all just cracking up and this happened every night until the very last night when he finally popped the balloon and he just stopped mid-scene and was just like oh my gosh (laughs) it happened
1: amazing (laughs) so Tom do you have a a funny moment like that in your career (laughs) either performing or directing
0: the closest one that I have.
1: It's not that good. It's not that good. It's
0: very, very good. Uh, I was in a production of Camelot in sixth grade. Oh. I played Lancelot, the romantic male lead. Wow. Yeah, big deal. And and you could tell I was the romantic male lead because I had it on like a white tunic and white tights because I was very pure. Anyways, but I was having an affair with the king of England's wife. <laughs> sixth grade. <laughs> And, and things are going wrong and there's this sort of climactic scene where where the castle's being besieged and I'm sort of breaking in to try to, you know, to, to free her, um, but I, something goes wrong and I can't, so I have to sort of leave on my own. And there's this great big exit line I have where, where it's like if uh, you know if I am captured, I'll send for you. If I'm you know if, or you know if I escape, I'll come back for you. If I'm captured or killed, like send word to like my my castle and they'll come for you. <laughs> um, and I had my sword and I and I started to say it and 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 I said and I flipped it and said that you know that if if I am if 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 I am killed, I'll come back for you. <laughs> <laughs> And I realized that as I said it that it was wrong and I sort of shook my arms in frustration and the plastic sword that I had because I shook my arms so hard, like, bent. <laughs> and then snapped back into place. So, uh, it was not the most heroic exit that Lancelot's probably ever had. But, <laughs> but it was but it, memorable. It's memorable and it's on VHS and my mother likes to show it whenever she can to remind me that That's at great. one point. So, do you have a favorite Shakespeare play or moment or piece? Mm-hmm. You know... I love this play, I really do, I think, and a part of it I think is because it's one of those plays, it's it, in a lot of ways is similar to Midsummer, there's a play within a play, there's these lovers and clowns, um, and it, you know, Midsummer takes place in the forests outside of Athens, this place takes place in the woods out in this king's sort of estate, um, so there's a lot that's similar about it, and I think maybe because it's not as well known, it isn't the one that yeah. gets done in you know, high schools and colleges all around the country, um, there's the little extra joy in the discovery of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and and I love the way he's written the women. I think, it, you know, he always, or pretty much always, makes the women a little smarter, a little more mature, yep. a little more grounded <laughs> than the male characters. Um, but, uh, but typically, they're always still sort of trying to get a guy. That's sort of what they're after. They're in love with someone, and they're doing everything they can to be with them, or they're, you know, they're having to disguise themselves in order to try and win this person's love. So, um, and there's a lot of great female roles in that category. But this one's great because these women come on this serious diplomatic mission. They're there on business, and, yeah. and and love sort of, you know, unfolds, you know, around that. But then at the end, they they have to leave, and they have to leave because the princess is now the queen, and she has to go and run her country right and so it's just that they're a little too busy right now for a relationship to be a priority and that's some, you know that's unique in Shakespeare that I think the women have that much agency, agency yeah. and independence
1: especially the time it was written yeah
0: yeah and especially for a guy who four years earlier had written Taming of the Shrew so that's a big <laughs> leap Leap, um, So I think that's, that's really exciting to see him mature as an artist and as a human being through that play.
1: You know, and kudos to you guys of the, the festival last year. You had a very successful year, not only with the uh, Shakespeare in the Park, but with some of the uh, other programs that you had, the In the Works. Mm-hmm. You had some awards through Into the Breaches. Talk a little bit. There were a couple, yeah. uh, as I mentioned off-air, Best Actress, but you also had some, uh, was it Best... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I won a bunch. Yeah, it was great. Design. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, one for production or, okay. for, or comedy. They, there's two categories for production, so best comedy, best ensemble. So the whole mm-hmm. cast was recognized, which was really, really great. Um, because that was a that was a that cast was mostly female. I think it was five women, two men, um, which is rare, right. in the theater <laughs> yes. anywhere. Um, and uh, and one of those women also won best actress. Michelle Hand won um, for her role as Maggie, and and Nancy Belt. One as director, which was which was richly deserved.
1: And that was at the Grand and mm-hmm. you have plans to do some more of that in the works for the fall and later on in the winter? We do in the winter, yes, Okay. yes, more on that to come. Okay, all right, still planning. <laughs> yes. Okay, and you just completed Shakespeare in the Schools, mm-hmm. and that program consists of you taking different troops out to various schools and doing some, what I would call, mini performances mm-hmm. to kind of grab the attention of students like <laughs> Naima. Yeah, right? I love that that worked.
2: Yeah, that's did. A, that's, a, that's the
1: idea. That's the idea. So it's a very beneficial program, Absolutely. and you have Shakespeare in the Streets. Mm-hmm. That's now that's coming up, right? That's coming up in the fall. Yeah, in September. Okay, and tell folks a little bit about what that is about. Well, typically,
0: what Shakespeare in the Streets is is that it's 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 a hyper local program. So, festival artists will spend a year or more in residence in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. getting to know that community, building relationships, partnerships, and collaboratively with the residents. Adapting a Shakespeare play to tell the story of that neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then it's put on by a combination of professional actors and and local folks. So uh, it's a real true partnership, really participatory, and really wonderful. What happens um, when people kind of take? Ownership of their their own stories in a way, um, but this year this upcoming year is unique in that there's two communities involved because it's designed to be an urban-rural exchange. Mm-hmm. So Normandy, Missouri, here mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and Brussels, Illinois, wow. are are both coming together to tell their stories and about the you know the differences and similarities of living in an urban and a rural area. That would be interesting. It's a fascinating. They for the first time. So they've been working sort of separately. Our artists have been going into Normandy uh, Schools Collaborative, I think it's called, and Brussels High School, mm-hmm. working with teachers and students to start. And they've been working independently. And on Tuesday, the folks from Brussels came down to Normandy and got to visit them at the school, spend time together in the same space for the first time. Just you know, hearing each other's experiences and perspectives and uh, uh, from what I saw
1: and what I heard it was really, really powerful. And theater, music, art have ways of linking people together. The arts has a way of linking people together because it really knows no boundaries. Yeah, and I think uh,
0: someone said recently that a community is a group of people that share the same story. So the more people come together to hear stories, to tell stories, to share stories, the
1: more they become a community as opposed to separate. That's a great comment, that's a great yeah. comment. Mm-hmm. Naima, I have a question for you. If you're encouraging some young, budding, theater-interested students, <laughs> what would you tell them? What do they need to do?
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> um, do the work. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, over the past few years at, um, at Howard, was very um, enlightening to me about uh, how exactly you go about acting, because I think what's great about what the Shakespeare program at the festival was and what my high school did is that it taught me to really love and enjoy theater, but college taught me how to take it uh, seriously as an art form and how to really apply myself to it. So I would recommend, you know, if you're going on auditions and stuff like that, read that play over and over, figure out what you want, what you need. Um, for the character, uh, be bold, which is something I heard over and over again at Howard, and it's it's really starting to stick now. <laughs> uh, be bold in what you're doing, and be confident when you walk into a room, know that you know, you're almost, you're trying to solve the people's problem who, who are trying to cast you. So don't walk into a room thinking, oh, they're better than me, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you guys are collaborators, and you know, if you get rejected, it's fine, then maybe that wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always, there's always a place for you in some sort of art. I'll say that.
1: That's, <laughs> that's great advice. It is. That's very <laughs> mature advice. Mm-hmm. And it actually mimics advice I've heard from many, many people, is learn to know your craft. Yeah. Don't don't shortcut it.
2: Mm-mm. There's no way to shortcut it. take it seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tom, what are some uh, goals you have for the for the festival? Uh, ongoing goals in years to come. The goals
0: I think are always the same. How can we bring more and more people into the art making process so that mm-hmm. so that the voices and the stories being told are 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 inclusive. And then, how do we bring more and more people into the, the audience or the you know the spectator piece of the equation? Um, because theater, as we were talking about earlier, is its whole reason for being is to try to kind of bring folks together, bridge those divides, make those connections, mm-hmm. and 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 tell the stories that that we all share, yeah. regardless of who we are or where we're from. And so, for me, a big part of that, I think, is thinking expansively in a geographic sense. I think for a lot of the focus for the last 50 years in the arts has been, how do we make this? It's been too expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Theater tickets, concert tickets, they cost an arm and a leg. How do you make it available to people who can't afford it? Um, But there's another piece of that, which is there's people who may not have access to high quality artistic experiences because of where they live. Mm -hmm. And, And arts organizations cluster in these really dense urban areas. And there's a whole half of the country out there that is at a, Disadvantage from the point of view of having ease of access to these things So how can we take it on as our responsibility to bring it further
1: and further so that we can start to make those connections? Yeah, that makes sense and quickly tell us when are we going to be able to see this free performance of Shakespeare in the Park? Performances start May 29th and they run through jun- June 23rd in the Glen and Forest Park and they start around 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Okay, very very good well, we appreciate it, Tom, you being here. Naima, thank, thank you for you. being here. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP
2: 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.